It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John Meade car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Meade. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagles scouting department. I know I could do better. What is good, SoundCloud, iTunes? You know what, you love it. Back and better than ever, the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. And Johnny Mita, it's good to be back in the saddle. How are you, my friend? Well, it's, it's definitely good to be back in the saddle. It's uh, a tough way for the Villanova Wildcats to end their season uh, over the weekend. Like, it was uh, a little disappointing, but all in all, a good year for the Cats and looking forward to next year with that top flight recruiting class coming in. It was painful. Uh, I texted you several times as I was starting to get inebriated and I was angry. You did not respond. Where were you and why were you disregarding my venomous messages? Well, it could have been that maybe I had too much to drink. No. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I was just like, I don't know. I just didn't feel like talking about. I, I hear you. One of those things. I understand. Know, like Listen, I I'd be if I if the roles were reversed, the last yeah. person I'd want to hear from is me, who doesn't <laughs> know squat about Villanova or college basketball, and I'm just going at a layman's sporting like they're not getting a rebound, they're not making shots, yeah. you know, they're getting outplayed, they can't yeah. get a bounce. Like that's that was like generic sports guy that's what i was sending you and you were not responding i mean the game was so painful i literally had times it was like i I had to watch something else i mean i hate to admit that live on air here but uh it was um it was really tough to watch at point breaking news man i wish i had the breaking news sounder ready john mita turned off the game at parts at at (laughs) stretches well we won't spend too much time on it we'll wrap up the program today talking a little sweet 16 get some more john mita thoughts on March Madness and the Villanova Wildcats, but here on the Brotherly Love Podcast, it is time to uh, to take things a different direction and start to gear up for a little spring and summertime and the good old American pastime. Driven to deep left center field, this ball is extra bases, one hopping off the fence, Nunez scores, Rollins scores, flying around third, Victorino, he scores a bases loaded double, Chase Utley. And the Phillies have taken a 5-3 to three lead here in the seventh inning. Now, only if we had the sweet sounds of Harry Callis broadcasting this year's baseball team and beyond. Unfortunately, we have to deal with Moobs McCarthy. I'm sure I'll rant about him and his brutal broadcasting later on this summer. However, <laughs> spring training is over. Opening day tomorrow. What's the weather? Give, give us a give us a Philadelphia forecast, Johnny Mead. What do you got? Phillies Braves tomorrow opening day. It's, uh, the old skipper Charlie Manuel would say, "Yes, yeah, it's good hidden weather tomorrow." I think it's going to be like 60, 60 degrees. I believe. You know, fifty-six degrees, mostly cloudy skies during the afternoon. You know, high of fifty-six tomorrow. So I like not it. Too tra- 
right. Yeah. By the way, that clip was uh, Chase Utley, You Are the Man. Uh, gosh, what year? 2006, August 9th. Utley has that double, scores a couple runs against the Braves in the seventh inning. And then Ryan Howard comes up and hits what Ryan Howard always hits, or at least a lot of the time hit, which was like a rollover ground ball to first. And Utley <laughs> scored from second base because uh-huh. the Braves were sleeping. And that was the famous Chase Utley, you are the man. Actually, I thought I did a pretty good job there. Um, nah, that's not bad at all. He was the greatest. That's for sure. So, um, I'm pumped for baseball. I'm going to get this out early. I am. I am going to try very hard to put it to put aside the hate the face that I have for the man we just signed to 330 million dollars. And I'm all in. Okay, I'm all in. And and, and I'm going to start with this, John Mead. I think. I expect. I expect Bryce Harper to start hot this year, despite not having much of a spring training. I know he hasn't won squat in his career, and I touched on that earlier. But in big moments, he te- he tends to be a clutch type of guy, a big-time guy. And I know the home run derby's like a, it's a skills competition. But last year, with all that pressure in his park, he delivered. So I think he's going to be all jacked up, and I think he's going to smash one out of Citizens Bank Park tomorrow. I think he's going to get home run number one, tomorrow in the opener and I'm pulling for him okay I've talked about it I don't know how he's going to fit in I'm concerned they gave him too much money I'm concerned the process took too long took too long to get him in here to Philadelphia but I will say this I am all in I want the Phillies to win 90 plus games and make the playoffs I think they can do that we'll see where they go from there I'm all in okay brotherly brotherly love podcast listeners all the hate I've been getting all the text messages I'm all in and I am pulling for Bryce Harper and tomorrow he's going to hit his first jack as a Philly and deliver in front of what's going to be a raucous crowd. The ovation's going to be outstanding, and he will deliver tomorrow. So I'm going to get that out here early, right off my chest. That's what's going down. Now, let's talk a little Phillies for a few minutes, John Mita. Lineup balance. Big improvement from last year. You can't argue that. You just look at their at their starting lineup tomorrow for opening day, and it's as good as it's been maybe since their last playoff run, when you talk about Rollins and Victorino and Utley and Howard and Worth and, you know, or, or Hunter Pence, you know, pick your poison in that 5-6 spot, and Chuch Ruiz, and, like, they have a lineup that is going to be as good as, at least on paper, as some of those teams for opening day. All right, and here's how Gabe Kapler says he's going to draw it up for tomorrow against the Braves at Citizens Bank Park, a 305 Eastern first pitch. Andrew McCutcheon's going to lead off play left field. You got Segura, the shortstop, newly acquired. He'll hit second. Harper and right. He'll hit third. Hoskins clean up at first base, the face of the franchise. Uh, Real Muto is going to catch and hit fifth. Doobie, Doobie Herrera hitting sixth in center field. Caesar Salad Hernandez, second base, hitting seventh. Michael Franco, who knows what the hell you're going to get from him. He's hitting eighth, third baseman. And the god that is Aaron Nola will be pitching and batting ninth. Your thoughts on the starting lineup, Johnny Mita. The balance is there, the improvement, the offseason work they put in to acquire this uh, type of personnel. We'll see what we get tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like the lineup. I mean, you could have maybe moved a couple people around. Um, maybe Franco bats a little earlier. Maybe you put Caesar Stout in the eighth spot. But um, because as far as like how many pitches is Franco going to see when they know that they have the pitcher next up. So we'll see how that turns out. I do like the fact that 
some of these guys like the Dubal Herrera, Hernandez, or Franco in general because they were kind of like the focal point or they had to be, you know, big-time hitters for us last year. There was a lot of pressure on them. And now with all these big studs up front, it really eases the pressure off them. So I don't know. I kind of like the way it's set up. You know, McCutcheon has, you know, he's been a leadoff hitter before um, with his time in Pittsburgh, Segarra on Harper. I mean, it's just, but I mean, Harper, Hoskins, Real Muto. I mean, that that's just going to be tough sledding for the opposing teams as far as trying to picture these guys. Um, so, no, I think it's, Again, it's opening day right tomorrow. They get it started, and just like anything else. And uh, the one thing that I heard in an interview with Gabe Kapler, which kind of you know brings brings some peace of mind to me, is the fact that he said that he's not going to overmanage. AKA, we will see about that. But um, but but I, I think just set a lineup, let it sit, give it you know the first month of the season, maybe make a couple twerks here and there, but. For the most part, I'm I'm a fan of the way it's set up so far. So we will see. Kind of sound like you were second guessing Gabe Kapler right off the hop, but I'll leave that alone for now. I love it. I love it. Question where question where guys are batting early, John Mita. Let's get right after this guy. Um, and speaking of you know questioning or questions, one of the things I pose to you that we have for our listeners, and of course our great Twitter followers followers at B Love Podcast here on the Brotherly Love Podcast is you know, some burning questions for the team. So heading into opening day tomorrow, what are the questions that you want to either see play out a certain way or you're just not sure how it's going to fizzle out with the Phils this year? I'll tell you what, if anybody's on the hot seat, it's got to be Gabe Kapler, right? I mean, if he can't find a way to get it done with this 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 amount of talent, I mean, do they zip him right out of town? So that's going to be amazing. And the other thing is to... It is so, so, so important, I think, during a baseball season to start this season out strong. Um, it just leads to, you know, again, I think the Phillies kind of started out a little strong last season and then they fizzled majorly. But I don't know. I think it's it's going to be – I think we're going to see early on what type of – you know, how good this team's going to be within the first month of the season. But for me – if there's any weakness, I mean, I wouldn't say weakness, but if there's anything that's going to hold this team back, it, it, it's going to be the starting pitcher. You know, Aaron Nola is going to be an absolute stud. He's your ace. Ariette, it seems like he's healthier. This seems like this is going to be a better year for him. Again, he's kind of a little longer in the tooth. You don't know. You know, when you get to starters three, four, and five with Pavetta, Eflin, and Velasquez, um, that, those are going to be the big question marks is are they going to have enough on that back end of their rotation to get it done? So I think those are other things to look at. And then maybe the possibility of, you know, signing a left-handed pitcher like Dallas Keuchel, who is still on the market right now, which is, and don't get me wrong. You know, I know he's not the one Cy Young type of style pitcher he was before in Houston, but I know one thing. I think he could definitely help out this uh, this pitching staff. I mean, if you put him in there as like your third starter, uh, another lefty, um, that would be that would be awesome. All right. So you're questioning the possibility of Kapler hot seat. How does he handle it? Starting pitching depth. I think they're both very um, very poignant 
and, and certainly could come into fruition here as far as things that could hold this team back. Um, I'll add to that your boy Bryce Harper. How will he handle the valleys of the season? Because they're going to come. It's Major League Baseball, 162 games. He stays healthy. He plays 140 games, 145 games. There's going to be stretches where he struggles. That is just the reality of Major League Baseball. And I feel like, correct me if you think I'm wrong, there will be increased scrutiny. A, the contract. B, the market. They don't give a you-know-what about baseball in D.C. I'm sorry, they don't. And so I want to see how he handles star power. He's a star. You're on the cover of the MLB The Show video game. You get all this money thrown your way. This is the spot you allegedly wanted to be. We'll see how it goes if things don't, if they're not always rosy. Number two, can Aaron Nola be in the Cy Young conversation again? If he is, this team's going to win 90 games. Number three, you, you mentioned Gabe Kapler. The bigger thing for me is not so much is he on the hot seat, but how does he handle the star power now? Because he hasn't had big names before. Who's the biggest name the Phillies had last year on a major league baseball, like kind of, you know, a national platform? It, you could argue it was Arietta because he at least had won a World Series and he was a big acquisition last summer. Like a lot of people might not know about Aaron Nola going into last year. Uh, a lot of people might not have known about Reese Hoskins. So how does Gabe Kapler now handle legitimate all-star talent from McCutcheon, a veteran 32 years of age, to Harper making all the money, to Real Muto, the guy you trade for, Segura is basically an all-star. So there's a lot of personalities, a lot of big salaries, and a lot of all-stars now in this lineup as opposed to a season ago. I guess you could you know, argue Carlos Santana last year, a big name, and he came out and said that the clubhouse was a disaster, essentially. Guys playing video games and... and and there was no accountability. So we'll see how Kapler handles the star power this year. And then, for me, number four is the pivotal seasons for Franco and Herrera. You talked about not having the pressure to bat up in the lineup. To me, I look at it on the flip side. Now there's an expectation to win. Now there's pressure to win. And you have a Nick Williams and an Aaron Altair and other pieces that are now relegated to the bench and are sort of uh, utility players that will be pushing for playing time. For Franco, you know, does Scotty Jetpacks get an opportunity at some point at third base if Franco struggles? Now, last year, for all he was up and down, Franco at 270 with 22 bombs. You get that from your eight-hole hitter, and this team's going to win more than 90 games. Nick Williams, does he just be a, you know become a piece off the bench, or does he push Odubel Herrera for playing time? Doobie started red hot, then tailed, finished hitting 255 last year, and... My gosh, how many strikeouts? He had 122 punchouts. So, you know, those two guys for me, they're pivotal seasons to see whether or not long-term they're with the organization. And then lastly, and this will be a conversation I'm sure we'll have in the summer, but deadline deals. Are the Phillies a buyer? Are they a contender come trade deadline? We hope they will be. If they are, you know, that's a, bit, that's a big part in the season. Will they add a piece to push them over the top? So, again, I expect the lineup balance to be crucial and way better than last year. I think with the veterans they acquired, their team, def- you know, their team fielding and defense should be way better. That was such a sore spot for the organization last year. And then I think Harper gets off to a nice start. I really do. I'd love for this team, absolutely love for them to send an opening series message to the Braves. Why not sweep them? Why not? Get right after it early. Let the whole division, the rest of the National League know we're here for business. 90 wins or better, they're getting into the playoffs. I think they can do it. Any other final thoughts on the Phils? I mean, I think you kind of put the number out there. 
you know, I think 90 is the number that, that will punch the ticket for them to get in the postseason stuff. So, now I think you bring up some other good points with, you know, make or break seasons for guys that you know, have kind of been around this ball club for around like five years. And it's just going to be like, okay, you know, are you going to be with us or are you going to be gone? So now I think, I think we're ready to roll and stroll. And I also like the fact that you talked about the deadline. You know, a lot of times you go into a season where, you know, you're missing that last piece, you know, look at the, well, look at the Sixers. They went in the deadline and they added somebody to their starting lineup kind of made them like the best starting lineup in the Eastern Conference. Right. So it's so crucial. Sometimes you need that one more move or two moves or a couple little moves, you know, to basically make your team that much better and, and be the final piece. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's fun. We're going to have something fun to watch. You know, as you know, all the sports, you know, once things wind down, you got hockey season winding down, the NBA, everything else is, and on the summer, there's really not much on. You got baseball, baseball, and more baseball. Yeah. So, and they were a good team to watch through a lot of the summer. They made it watchable. The city yeah. just never bought in, and and now with yeah. the star power, they will. This city will oh, buy yeah. in. So the bank will be jacked. It'll be the place to be. And yep. uh, I'm just pissed I didn't buy single game tickets for a couple of games sooner. Uh, my bad. All right, Sweet 16 March Madness kicks off. By the time most of you are listening to this, it'll probably be just underway on Thursday. Florida State Gonzaga. Uh, you got Texas Tech, Michigan, LSU, Michigan State, Virginia, Duke on Friday, Auburn, UNC, Houston and Kentucky, Purdue and Tennessee, and then the outlier, the 12-seed Oregon taking on Virginia. Those are the eight Sweet 16 matchups. Break it down for us, Johnny Mita. Next time we're on the air, Brotherly Love Podcast, who's cutting down the nets? You talked about Gonzaga a couple weeks ago. Stick with what I said before. Um, Gonzaga was pretty pretty impressive in their you know opening round wins. They look good. Uh, if anything, we saw Duke look a little vulnerable as they were in a tight contest that, in my opinion, maybe a little coaching kind of lost the end of that game. Um, so so Michigan State could definitely clip. I think if there's, you know, this is a tournament of so many upsets, but there was a couple upsets here and there. But if you look down to the Sweet 16, a lot of it is chalk. You know, a lot of the, there's not really that many surprises in there. Um, I mean, possibly Oregon, like they're the highest seed, I guess, remaining as a 12 seed. Yeah, but. they won both games by double digits, and they won the Pac-10. They went in red hot. They've got a big man. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but Virginia locks it down defensively, so we'll see how that one plays yeah. out. That's one I'll, yeah. I'll certainly be watching. And then the Cougars, man, University of Houston, they've been great all year. Uh, yeah, they didn't get on everybody's national radar till late. They got a big one with Kentucky. Yeah, they and again that game could come down to the one in the health of uh, Kentucky star forward sophomore PJ PJ Washington because he's kind of been in an he's been in an air cast since yeah um, since the um, the end of the SEC tournament and he hasn't played in the first two games now, I know he's being reevaluated but if there if um, if Kentucky is missing him. He's a big part of their offense and defense, for that matter. He's a big piece of the team in general. So if he's able to play, I mean, Kentucky still has enough talent. You look at the experience with John Calipari. Again, you know, I, I think, you know, my Final Four, I, I kind of have, you know, I have Duke rematching Gonzaga, and then I have Tennessee going up against North Carolina, and then, a rematch of a game that was played earlier this year, which was North Carolina Gonzaga, 
a Tar Heels clip Gonzaga earlier this year, and Duke Gonzaga would be a rematch from when the two teams played each other out in Hawaii uh, for the Maui Invitational. So, yeah. So I got I got I got the Blue Devils, the Zags, the Volunteers from Tennessee and North Carolina in the Final Four, with eventually being North Carolina Gonzaga the rematch, the rematch of a championship that was played two years ago. A lot of the members on Gonzaga were on that team. And so that would be interesting to see if they could, they could get it done and punch their ticket to finally winning a national championship for, for the small school out of Spokane, Washington. All right. Good stuff. Johnny Mita wrapping things up on the brotherly love podcast. Can you break down next year's Villanova Wildcats outlook and kind of recruiting class in a minute or less? (laughs) A minute or less. Well, Let's put it this way. they got some great McDonald's All-Americans um, to mix with the talent that they have on their team. So I, I think they can win 25 games if everything goes well. They, the, the, the hardest part is going to be like Jay melding the freshman with the upper class, and that's going to be as far as chemistry goes. I think early on it might be a struggle getting everyone assimilated, but towards the end of the stretch I think they'll be able to make a great run. All right. That was well done, my friend. Well done. Well, I'm sure we'll dive into the recruiting class more as next season yeah. rolls around. Uh, time for a damn that's tacky. You got one, or is it just me tonight? No, it's just you tonight. But let's let's um, you know, give me your damn that's tacky, and I got a quick shout out. All right. Um. So here's what I got for you. The Los Angeles Lakers have been eliminated from the playoffs. Okay, their season's been a train wreck. LeBron's been a joke, on and off the court. The antics, the turmoil, the drama. Like it's just a bad look, and a lot of people have been saying it. And last night. In a game that doesn't mean squat, Lance Stevenson crosses up Jeff Green. Jeff Green almost falls over, and the Lakers bench acts like they've, like, you know the phrase, act like you've been there? Well, they didn't. They're dancing around. They're holding each other up from falling. Lance Stevenson's doing a little shimmy shakeout at center court, at half court. Like, it's embarrassing. Get a hold of yourself. Act like professionals. It's so damn tacky. Your season is over. You stink. You've already been eliminated. One, uh, a forward crosses. Oh, I don't even a six foot five, twenty eight year old crosses up a guy. He almost falls over. That's what we're relegated to. The fact that it's going to make social media and the highlight reels and Twitter and all like the post game media scrums. Like, let's make a big deal out of over, over one play, over one play in a lost season, and act like you guys are having a lot of fun. If I was Luke Walton, I'd be embarrassed for the way they reacted to a crossover because a guy almost fell over. I know that's the game now. I know that the bench, you got the bench mafias in the college and NBA ranks, and everybody's every time a three ball's jacked, the whole bench stands up so that if it happens to go in, they're already ready to celebrate, putting up the three side. Like, it's embarrassing. The NBA should get a hold of itself and check itself a bit because it was so damn tacky and so embarrassing last night in a lost Lakers season that this is like their highlight. In relation to the to the Los Angeles Lakers, how about one of the most tackiest individuals in the country, Lavar Ball, the big baller brand, might have to be going down the twos because apparently their lead investor was stealing some money, and uh, it turns out the Lakers also believe that those great looking six hundred dollar pair of Zo twos could have been the root of Lonzo Ball's ankle injuries this oh, year. Oh boy! So. So that's 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 pretty funny. All right, what's your shout out, brother? What's your shout out? The shout out is Gritty wins best NHL mascot according to the players first year. So big heads up to our man Gritty. 
The second one is just want to give a quick shout-out to two listeners in the north area of Scranton, Pennsylvania, Brian Dipple and Bob Jabron. Thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. We love it. We love the support. Twitter, B-Love Podcast. Everybody tune in. iCloud. iCloud. iTunes. SoundCloud. <laughs> appreciate it. Johnny Media, you're the man. You got it, buddy. Well done, as always. Go Phils. R.I.P. Harry Callis. Hoskins for president. World Series, here we come, baby. World Series, here we come. You got it. Till next time, Brotherly Love Podcast. John Mita, Joe Donald. We'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.